Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 117 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I share our thoughts and notes with each other on the books we're reading for the first time. If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading The Legend of Dritz, book 5, Streams of Silver, chapter 7 through chapter 12, before listening to this episode. That way you too can follow along. Rob, did we have any housekeeping to discuss before we venture into chapter 7? Well, housekeeping, I'm not sure. I did a little bit of extracurricular work, and I don't know if that would go here or not. So I guess I can bring it up and you tell me. Does it go anywhere else more obviously? More obviously? I don't think so. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and wait, because I think you'll bring it up. Okay. Just don't forget. Oh, I won't. I won't forget. So no, let's 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 get into it. Okay, well then uh where are we starting? Chapter seven, Dagger and Staff. Summary. While on Regis's trail, Artemis and Trieri discovers he's been tracked as well by Caddy Bree. The assassin kidnaps the young woman and brings her back to his camp, where he finds Jiradin digging through his belongings. The city guard offers Artemis help in finding Regis, while the assassin holds him at knife point before eventually accepting his terms. The three of them travel to the tower in Luskan and meet with the modeled wizard. After a tense introduction, the wizard and the assassin gain little more from their meeting than who each other are and confirmation that they're both after the party from Ten Towns. Neither agrees to help the other as they both continue their pursuits. Do you have any notes in this chapter, Doug? I do. Note, page 114. This dude's name is actually Dendibar the Modeled? I don't like that. <laughs> well, that that's like, so, that's like, go ahead. That's like saying, yeah, I'm lazy and fuck you for reading this. I am so happy you brought that up because there is my extracurricular activity. Yay. I did a running model count. Oh, okay, cool. Um, do you want to know now or at the end? Let's go to the end. Okay. I, I will tell you at the end. I will say last episode, I believe you prophesized you would hear that word at least 20 more times by the end of the book. Wow. That was, that's a low number. I'm sure. <laughs> I, 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 I think, I think when we get to the model count, you will be allowed to reevaluate your guess before I tell you how many times <laughs> <laughs> it was used in these chapters. Cool. 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 Uh, that's my note. That's okay, all I have for this. My, my only note was just, uh, noting, the assassin is Artemis, is that right? Yeah. Because I remember his... It's funny because I, I know the name Artemis. dagger. In, in Trary. That's, that's sure. the word I try to remember and can't. I'm, from, I'm more familiar with the word Artemis, but I don't associate with this guy for whatever reason. Um, just noting his backhanding of Cadbury. Yeah. And being like... I, I want to just put it in the, yes, cheaply brutalizing women bin. It could pay off, I suppose. It could be, I mean, yeah, he's a bad guy. Bad guys do bad things. I get it. But also, is it just cheap? I'm going to wait till the end before I fully pronounce it, but I'm not I, loving it. To me, it, it all entirely depends on what kind of comeuppance he gets. You can't tell a story about a woman overcoming being brutalized unless she over is first brutalized. I suppose. But it is also such a... <sighs> boring well to go to women can it's, have other tribulations is i guess my point i entirely agree uh i i i kind of suspect that the fantasy genre or our interpretation of it has been flooded with 
versions of women being violently abused because of how prevalent that trope was in Game of Thrones. Sure. And how popular that show was. It felt like it really overstayed its welcome in in fiction because of how often it was in that show. So while, while this w- uh, book is much older than the show and therefore much older than my exposure to overexposure to that device. Um, yeah. You're not saying game of Thrones started. This is the progenitor no. of it. You're saying uh, game of Thrones was like your lit, your litmus when you realized. Well, no game. of Th- Yeah. But game, very specifically game of Thrones is when I uh, was, like I said, overexposed. It was, right, the, right. it was the idea of being like, Oh wow. Oh, uh, I should have stopped eating three hot dogs ago. <laughs> but here I am. What a gross on, and perfect analogy. On my fifth hot dog. <laughs> and only now am I realizing how terrible I feel uh, having consumed this many filthy, greasy, stinky, unwanted hot dogs. Please don't ruin hot dogs for me. Like, I, I only ever like two tops. And usually when they're Chicago style, but... Don't gross me out, man. That's that's. Ugh, I'm so good. Uh, no, no, it was good. It was really, it was good. It was perfect. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Too many hot um, dogs and Game of Thrones are equivalent. I get it. Yeah, that's that's the feeling. So like, uh, and, and so like, I feel like I have this sort of residual fed upness with this sort of trope that this book may be unfairly getting a like the judgment for. Uh, because I don't really think it's that prevalent in this book. It's very prevalent in Game of Thrones. It's in, at least in the show. Sure. It's far too consistent and 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 happens too often. In this, we it's really. I mean, I guess there was there was the other stuff with the 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 harem of uh, Akar Kessel, but I mean, even as they were evil, the women in in, in Menzo Baranzan were powerful and sure. strong. So I really don't. I don't think it's like. I would like to just not be reading it. Yeah. But at the same time, like, it's how, like I said, I said a couple episodes ago, this might be just the best Salvatore could write sure. at the time. Sure. And and it's just, it's just all he f- knew how to do. And I, I just, we just got to accept that and move forward. Let's move forward. Uh, do you have any more notes in this chapter? I don't. <laughs> how do you envision uh, Artemis's dagger? What does it look like in your head? I don't think I've spent too long thinking about it. I'm thinking probably stiletto style, so blade on each side, over overly long, where it, you know, it, in that in that medieval way, where it looks more lengthwise like a short sword. Um, cross pommel, pretty. That's about it. I have a very weird and specific design in my head for what it looks like, and it's not even remotely close to what you have suggested sure well and before you say what, I, what it is i could easily have skimmed over various no, details no, no, like no. It, like if it's a crisp blade or something i don't have that i don't know no that's okay. not what i mean i okay. mean like for some reason the the vision i have of it the visualization i have of it is like you know those uh portable cell phone batteries that like the, those like those uh like the like ones USB i know are like a brick so yeah yeah okay. so like imagine like like a brick but it's like, it's like more like a jewel. It's more like an e-cigarette, but like a, but a, a square, okay. or like a rectangle, and it's solid and just rectangular. It's you're like saying, small and long. You're saying he vapes? Kind of. This piece of shit. Um, so, but it's 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 not really longer than like his hand length. So it's just like that, 
and it's also like a switchblade. So like the blade, <laughs> there's no there's no like guard. Right. It's just he just has and it's all gold. And the way I vision it, it's it's like solid gold with like red and green like jewels down the sides and one of the jewels he pushes and it shoots the blade out huh. and and then he can like stab people with it and hide it in his in his pocket i don't know why it's that'd that be a good assassin blade sure that's very assassin's creed but you don't Except know for the shininess sure 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 but you don't know why this came to you no huh it's just very specific like a gold external phone battery that you push a button and it shoots the and the dagger blade also very specific looking like it's not like one of those blades that sort of like uh tapers towards the tip sure it's it looks kind of like in my head again it looks a lot more like a like a steak knife um but without the serrated edge so like just a really so like a katana but like solid on one side and the blade on the other yeah okay huh no idea why this which would is so... i mean which would seem like that would be better for slashing not for stabbing but everything else you've described says stabbing that is very interesting no idea why it's just in there it's just uh absolutely irrefutably the way the blade looks in my head okay so just curious if i if i also missed something in the reading and i had reason to think that it looked like that or if i'm just crazy well i'm gonna be looking out for it going forward I'll tell you that. Well, if anything, if, if the suggestion of what it looks like on the back of the book, if I'm if I'm right, and that is what's on the back of the book, it's not it's not that clear. <laughs> no, it's really not. Uh, you have anything other other notes in that chapter? I do not. Then uh, take us to part two, allies. Summary: Dritz reflects on the nature and dangers of nostalgia while expressing concern that his friend Brunor may be seeking Mithril Hall for the wrong reasons. I have a note on page 120. Oh, there's no page numbers on these. Yeah, it's true. I had to count. Okay. Um, I think that's where one of my notes is. My first note, kind of before that, is just noticing this is more present tense again, like it's a road yeah. diary. Right. Um, and then I, I, I notice I'm like, hey, because I was in that present tense mindset. I'm like, hey, this is this is not horrible. He's going along. He's doing this thing. For about the first three paragraphs. And then, what's your note? Oh, um, I know. If Dritz was ever to skewer the MAGA hat-wearing, dark elf-hating, D&D-playing white supremacist, it was with this section. <laughs> These few pages are by far my favorite parts of the last four and a quarter books. Here, Salvatore condemns the Reagan-era politics that popularized Make America Great Again a slogan we know was rebranded by the master of appropriation, Donald Trump. I am frustrated that the political rights persistent social stagnation has existed in its current form for my entire life. I fear that, as evidenced by this book, I fear that with that kind of staying power, Salvatore is too hopeful for a future where logic and progress beats out the comfort of the past. Perhaps it will happen, but I'll not live to see it. Wow. I did not go that deep. <laughs> I, I, his first like three paragraphs happen, and I'm fine with it. Then he mentions nostalgia, and that seems to where it got uh, his usual pretentious self. Uh, you were able to see past that, so you know, kudos to you. Well, I just I, I was trying to put myself in the mindset of what a person in 1989 or whatever, whenever this book was written, would think of as nostalgia, mm-hmm. and. And it occurred to me that, like, 
it he must be talking about the make America great again crowd. He must be talking about those people who are like, wasn't the world better when, and he makes these really salient arguments about like, perhaps it isn't that the world was better than, but you were better than perhaps you were less molested. Perhaps you were more hopeful and that has changed. And instead of being able to have the self-recognition to recognize that that's what changed and become more like the person you want to be in the world, you go seek out to try to force other people to change like a child would. Well, I mean, that's exactly what it is. Right. It, Nostalgia is the, the one thing we're all looking back fondly on that we can't achieve again is we were taken care of back then. Mm-hmm. Now we have to do all that work. That's hard. Now we have to pay attention to the news when before we could watch Saturday morning cartoons while our parents grumbled at the newspaper and right. talked about when they were kids. Like, wasn't it better then? And that's what we're trying to get back to. We can't because we've got shit to do now. Right. That's all it is. Get off your ass. Stop right. being lazy. Nostalgia's not going to happen. Don't be a dick. Well, it, yeah, it, it's yeah. But like. Some people don't see that what they do politically is coming from that place. And I think that's who he's trying to talk to. He's, he's trying to talk to those people who are in that crowd of like, yeah, back in my day, you know, the, like I, I seriously believe that a big part, it goes to this later. Uh, but like, I think, I think he's trying to talk to people who would, who would believe things like, you know, all of the, pro, like the scapegoating races kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of like, you know, uh, I remember growing up and hearing like horrible family members say things like, you know, this was before the neighborhood uh, got bad or w- back when the neighborhood was a good, pl- a safe place to live. Right. Shit like that fucking dog whistle bullshit that as an adult I can hear clearly. Right. But at the time I had no idea what that meant. I just thought, oh, it's dangerous here. That's scary. I wonder why. Right, right. And not un- not understanding like... The context and the subtext. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I feel like... I'll get... I'll talk more about this later in, these, in this episode, but I, I think that that's one of the strengths that Salvatore actually has as, a, as an author is this book might be the fucking donut with the anti-mutagen ice cube in it that racist nerds needed in the early 90s and late 80s like it it very much could be a solid way to reflect upon yourself from the safety of reading a dungeons and dragons book and think oh shit am i racist do i do i treat people the way the like other people treat dritzed in these books man i really don't want to be that person and if that's if that fucking ever worked once then these books are great <laughs> okay okay sure no i can't argue with that it's i mean it's a tall order but if that even helped on a subconscious level good for these books yeah exactly i can't say they're great but i can say good for these books I, it's 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 a more effective tool than yelling at people That's like true. it's subversive it's 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 that like inception stuff where like you have to make it that person's realization they have to come to realize right. the error of their ways as opposed to be yelled at that they're making mistakes right it's it's the only way this kind of person changes so i would not be surprised if there was a large number of people who needed to learn that lesson who read these books and hopefully it got through to them. At least it was the first step. Yeah. So for that reason, for that reason, this section is fucking amazing. It's, it is very preachy, but at the same time, like that's what these parts are. Yeah. 
they are the parts where Salvatore gets on his soapbox and preaches. Here's as the thing Drake. I want to talk about. Here's my essay of right. the week. Right. But this was the best one so far. So I may even uh, reread it on that. With it's good. I hope you do. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe. Let's not get our hopes up. Because, again, if you, if you don't think about it as nostalgia, like, through entertainment, if you don't think about it through nostalgia of uh, the whiny nerd who's like, Michael Bay ruined Transformers for me, that's not the nostalgia he's talking about. No. He's talking about nostalgia for a a time when the you didn't realize how complex the world was. Right. Um, not for your favorite like property being you know updated like like God forbid your favorite property gets rebranded and reestablished for a younger audience and oh hint hint you're forty now <laughs> right proving so, like, that it's not, not about in that you audience right exactly I I'm just reiterating that's not the nostalgia he's talking about he's talking about the other stuff anyway uh do you have any more notes on that part just two pages later he uh he's talking about listening to wolfgar talk about the history of his people Mm -hmm. and mentions i am amazed and horrified by the brutality of their past the constant fighting of tribe against tribe the wholesale rape of captured women and the torture of captured men and i was just like hey you know what good for you for calling it out because you Mm kind of gloss over that whole harem thing so at least it's been voiced here. Mm-hmm. And that was just kind of a moment of like, hey, all right, cool. Not, I mean, that's a weird well, way I to mean, say, but, but I, I, no, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Not, not, not just saying, oh, it's part of the, you know, genre, move it on. Well, yeah, it's, but I mean, at the same time, like it would be, it should be clear that the, the bad guy has the harem. So like, therefore it is a trait of the villain, not of a person you should aspire sure, to Sure, but be. there was, there was... It was a. It seemed a little more offhand when that happened. We didn't true. like it. True, it's true. It, he he treats it like yeah, whatever. There's another harem. He's 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 ogling and grabbing at another woman who's mindlessly obeying his urges. Like yeah, it's creepy and gross. So I I, I just felt like here it seemed a little more, a little more attention was being paid. Move us on to chapter eight to the peril of low flying birds. Summary. The companions find their way to a wizard's mansion where everything is magical and nothing is rational. It's like it's like Willy Wonka meets the Monopod Island from Narnia. Besides the nonsense, the party gets a new heading on their quest for Mithril Hall. I don't have any notes on this. It's a lot of goddamn whimsy in this chapter. It's a lot of Willy Wonka. It's a yeah. lot of, oh, look, it's a chocolate river. Oh, look, this bridge is upside down. Oh, look. When you're at this bar, a scrying stone is the thing you talk into to place your order. It made me realize that, like, I think one of the most important differences between the world of Dungeons & Dragons and the world of Lord of the Rings is that Lord of the Rings has all these things, but Lord of the Rings feels like a lived-in universe. Yeah. And when I read Dungeons & Dragons stuff, it feels like, it kind of feels like like Pirates of Darkwater or some shit. It feels like a cartoon version of fantasy right where like it was called into being before you open the book exactly this specifically the scrying stone is one of those things where it's like the way and maybe it's just the way i envisioned it but the way i read it just felt like an unnecessary another in an unnecessary series of wondrous items that don't actually make me feel like the world is more relatable or real or fantastic just feels like kind of like cumbersome the cumbersomeness of whimsy or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like this feeling of like, okay, yes, yes. 
I am not at all surprised you felt that way. I, I wrote here, man, this is some Hogwarts bullshit. <laughs> when I got to the musical instruments, I was just like, come on, man. What what are we doing? That, um, that, yeah. I was kind of amused by the dog cousin. The family dog who had once been Harkle's second cousin. Again, a bad mm-hmm. potion mix. Um, can, what do you? Can you explain... Other, other than just whimsy, is there more to it than just whimsy? The point of the invisible wall, because yeah, uh, I, I mean the one outside the outside of yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the, the barrier, yeah, it's a it's a protection. It's it stops people from coming in. But you run into it, and you could just kind of walk around it, right, until you find the opening. No, there's only if you found the opening, and the opening you put is your hand on it, specific... and you walk along the wall until your hand goes through. Well, presumably, if you're like planning an attack, you're not doing uh, it like. Silent, like quietly, patiently walking up and preparing to get in. You want to have the element of surprise, so you're going to charge with a large number of people. You're all going to smash into this wall and go, what the fuck? And then you're going to have alerted the wizards to your presence, and they're going to mount their defenses. I guess. And then at the very end, we get the whole reason for the title, which is cleaning up bird stains off the invisible wall. Uh, there were certain elements of this I liked. I just felt like it just went on for far too long. It, and and the whimsy was kind of thrown to the wind. I mean, it was just nuts. I, f- I feel like that could have been toned down. The chapter could have been shorter and would have been fine and even enjoyable. Yeah, it was like exactly all the fun was trying to cram, was was trying to be crammed into this one chapter. Yeah, that's how I felt about, like I said, the, the monopod chapter in yeah. the Narnia series where you get there and you're like, I don't know why... This has to be here. It, it, it again. It takes away that realness of the world. Right. That feels like you like the suspension of disbelief dips heavily in chapters that get too self indulgent in the magical whimsy. Uh, for me, um, they're all fine, fun things. But like, it's like it, it's like you remember like it's like it's like thirty pages that all boil down to the same irritation of the briefness of, Hey, do you want to buy some death sticks? And that like, at least that was over quickly. Right. And became a meme. But then like, but this is like, it's just agony just reading like so many tedious things. And even like the irritation of like read just being like, like, okay, if you replace my frustration with the way Wolfgar is frustrated by it, and then you replace Salvatore with Regis, and Regis's argument is just relax and enjoy it, you might have some fun. It's still like, yeah, dude, but, like, it takes time. <laughs> like, and I'm not actually experiencing these things. I'm reading about them. It'd be like reading a walkthrough of a Disneyland park, like, yeah, all this stuff sounds like I guess it would be cool, but I'm just reading about it, and it makes me feel like I'm wasting my time. Right. So, anyway. All right, that's it. Yeah. Uh, ugh. I don't have any more notes on that chapter, so let's advance. Chapter 9, There Is No Honor. Amongst whom, you think? Oh. That's, now that's a good question. I have no idea. Summary. I'm just going to pronounce this guy's name the way I Go for imagine. it. They don't matter. Yeah, they uh, don't matter. We know that they don't matter. In Triri and Dendibar, the wizards seek Brunor and friends, but find no sign of them within the walls of the city. Their only lead comes during one of Harkel's regular courtship calls with Sidney when the mage brags that he partied with the companions a few days before. Dendibar has also learned that the woman Tiri travels with is Brunor's kidnapped daughter, Caddy Bree. Dandibar and Entriri form a loose alliance as Sidney and the wizard's golem Bok 
journey with Intriri in search of the companions. It should also be noted that Intriri murdered Whisper in this chapter. So much for that character. My first notes on 150 through 153, no kind of. Okay. Uh, I noted here, again, just keeping my running tally going, Caddy Bree sure gets claimed a lot. I mean, first by Brunor, claiming her as a daughter, probably Wolfgar as a bride, if they get that far. And Intriri literally says, I claimed her, she's mine. And then, so, so far, women are either manipulative wretches or prized possessions. Or masterful badasses of the drow. Manipulative wretches. Mm, I think that's a little subjective. Okay. Um, and then I wrote that, and then they killed Whisper. And I'm like, oh, see, it's kind of just, there's another one. So earlier, when they were in Regis's house, and, uh, and Cherry had Cadbury tied up to the chair, he made a big point of only killing when he needed to. Yeah. Why did he kill Whisper? Uh, because she threatened him. He made a point of saying that he only kills people who are a threat to him, and when she threatened him, he was like, okay, guess you're a threat to me. Guess what? I don't handle... I don't let those hang. You're dead. Fair enough. Oh, okay. Here's a question for you. Which you, I think is why Cadbury hasn't threatened him outright. Right. You, you don't have any notes in this chapter? No. Okay. Um, go, Regarding golems. Sure. In D&D, are they... Because I know them just from, like, the, the Jewish mythology where they're men of clay uh, does it just mean any kind of created being out of anything because this is definitely more of a frankenstein than it is a clay man uh could be a flesh golem that no it said it was it said it was made out of body parts and i've never heard of that was that the flying spaghetti monster no rob it's not the flying spaghetti monster right. not everything is a pastafarian reference was that a pastafarian reference which one the one you just said Oh, maybe. Okay. Uh, I have Iron Golem and Stone Golem in the Monster Manual. Hmm. Oh, I have a Flesh Golem. Here you go. Okay. Uh, flesh Golem, page 169 in your Monster Manual. Hardback edition. Fifth edition. All this is just stuff about how the monster functions in the game. It's not about... But it is a thing. Uh, here... Oh. Yeah, yeah. It's The only thing it has here, it says, Two of my grave diggers were caught and hanged yesterday. The other two are understandably reluctant to meet a similar fate, but I shan't let their concerns stall my progress. I need fresh corpses, and if those bumpkins can't get them for me, I'll use their in them theirs instead. Bumpkins? Weird. From the Diary of Evangeliza Levane, Necromancer. So it's a way to do Frankenstein in the uh, D&D. Yeah, I guess. Cool. All right. Just not something I was familiar with. It's a good challenge rating, too. It's immune to lightning and poison and bludgeoning and piercing and slashing from non-magical items not made with adamantine weapons. Interesting. So we'll... Oh, yeah. Flesh golems are a thing. All right. That's it for me. That's it for me. I In my summary, I mentioned Harkel. Harkel's one of the wizards who lives in the the town that... The, the magical whiz, whimsy town that the party travels to, which fucking... Whose name I forget, because... All these made-up places names. You spend one chapter in this place, and it's like, I'm supposed to remember it? Right. It's like, he... it's like Longfellow or something like that. That sounds close remember. enough to me. I don't care. Um, he is the one who's crushing on Dendy Bar's assistant. Sydney, yeah. Uh, and he, he hangs out with... Sydney? I thought it was Sophie. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, but yes, he's the one who gives away our hero's position, because right. he doesn't know better. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I mentioned his name, but I, we, we haven't talked about him before, so that's who that is. 
All right, let's move on. Chapter 10, Bonds of Reputation. Summary. Our heroes walk a treacherous path beset with deadly storms and racist riders that divert the Ten Towns companions from their path and into a land called the Troll Moors. I have a note okay. on page 174. Well, my first one is 167. You should do yours. I was kind of amused by Wolfgar playing with the thunder and matching it to smashing the tree. Seems like something I would do. I was amused. Uh, go for it. Which 174? I find myself impressed that in a fantasy world of orcs and dragons, that Salvatore can use racism as a way to ground these books in reality. I hope these books found their way into the hands of racist young people who, th- through experiencing their the, the mistreatment of their hero Dritz, may have seen the errors in their own ways or that of their families. I wrote down racism as well. Because uh, I remember, I don't remember the context, but you and I were looking up this book and we found it like listed under racism somewhere. You, It was listed as a, I think, I think the way I understood the context of what we found or you found and shared with me was that the book itself was listed in our local colleges texts, like, like reading requirements as a book for classes on racism in right. literature. Maybe, maybe that was it. Sure. I was um, very confused. And, yeah. I think that's what it is. Is it was like this book is a book that people use in our in in the in at the University of Alaska to look at the, the discussions of racism in literature, mm-hmm. and it doesn't surprise. After reading this one specifically, there's a it's pretty good. Like the thing it's doing, it's doing very clearly, and it's doing it like well. Yeah, it's it's not doing it too much. It's it's not what the book's necessarily about, but it's definitely something. But at the same time, with. it is. I mean, it's about finding the streams <laughs> of silver, but but like, isn't it about the lessons learned along the way? No. Um, but after reading this chapter, I was able to say, "Oh, okay, I see now. I see now why it was listed there." Yeah, it, it definitely makes me curious about like I'm, I don't want to read the entirety of the Dritz saga. No, but like, it does make me interested to see like, I'd love to hear more people who have issues with the way that the dark elves are treated in these books like what their problems are specifically and come from at a place of not being defensive about like how good this book is about how i think it is about how about talking about bigotry and racism specifically but just be open to hearing what someone says yeah but all these other problems i will say that i am a little more curious now if this was this book stance in 1989 and just recently, R.A. Salvatore is like, hey, here's this problem with these books, and I'm going to actually tackle that in book 30-whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how that will go. Not that yeah. I'm going to jump to book 30, but it is interesting to me to go, oh, he's actually going to well, really focus on read... racist aspects. Yeah, the thing I, I read was he was basically going to be like, oh, there's more different cultures of Dark Elves, and right. that... And they are they aren't evil, right? I, and and I think that's, I think I'm I'm guessing because I I think if I could put myself self in the shoes of a person who has a problem with these things, it would be a problem with the identification of any races being inherently evil, which yeah. is a problem Dungeons and Dragons has had for a long time. Mm-hmm. Which I think is again part of the reason this book might be so helpful mm-hmm. is that I, I the idea of evil races may be an idea that appeals to people who need to learn that that's not a fucking thing. So, 
it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a very interesting aspect of this book specifically. I don't have any more notes. Let's move on. All right. Then move us on to... <laughs> chapter 11, Silvery Moon. Summary. It's a chapter of duplicity and deception as Caddy, Bree, and Intriri both sow seeds of doubt in the minds of Sidney and Jeridon as they make their way to the city of Silvery Moon. I have zero notes because I find the adventures of these characters to be completely boring and uninteresting and I don't care about them at all. I, I, I'm hopeful that much like the fucking Urtu, the demon in the last book, right. found his way to his untimely and un, unreasonable death or exile. I'm hoping that these characters like destroy each other from within before they reach the party. And in that way, you know, thin their ranks so that when it's time for Dritz and Wolfgar and Regis and Brunor to fight them, they're easier to kill. Sure. But uh, other than that, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not too thrilled with these characters or their little sort of anti-adventure. I did like some of the descriptions of Silvery Moon towards the end of the chapter though. Thought. It's the second city though, in this book, in this section that is, described as being made up of cobbled together ideas and uh, like ununiform uh, architecture that make it unique and beautiful and it's like that feels like a weird thing to dip into twice in one no that's like six chapter spread that's very true um because that's the way the wi- we didn't talk about this but that's the way the wizard's castle or built whatever their fucking kingdom is called is described as being like this bizarre like it, it, I imagine it looks like a fancier, like nicer version of of the uh, what is it? Is it Kaneda in the Akira movie, uh, or is it Akira who turns into the monster? I think it's Akira. So, the at the end of the of Akira when when he's like gone full huge flesh monster full of like tentacles and stuff and right. cables and electronics and concrete. That's what I imagine it looked like. Wow, just sort of a just like uh, I imagine part of it looked like. I also kind of imagined it looked a lot like the. Uh, the Museum of Pop Art in Seattle. Like the uh the way that building is just like weirdly fluid and like just just weird. Mm-hmm. It's a mix of those two things. Okay. Okay. My point is I feel like I have experience and exposure to things that lend themselves to giving me context for what an incongruous architectural design looks like. Suck on that, lexicon. Yeah. Do you have any notes? <laughs> Alright, then uh bring us to, uh, to the end. Chapter 12, The Troll Moors. Stick to the roads, he said. <laughs> uh, summary. That's enough. The Troll Moors live up to their name as our heroes fight a seemingly endless horde of trolls before Regis remembers that while the monsters can't be cut to death, they can be burned. More monsters and more trolls follow the party as they trek through the moors before another violent confrontation with a giant worm. Mm-hmm. I have a page note on page 202. Is it about fighting the monster? Because that's my note, but it's I don't have a number. No, it's not about fighting the monster. Well, you your... mean the worm, right? Sure. Because there's lots of monsters. I don't care. Um, Maybe you should read this thing on page 202 for me. Okay. I do like it's reading. The, uh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the paragraph between the, the uh, crossed sabers. Right. The, the little broken out section. 
Yes. Beneath the bog surface and the swirless solitude of dark waters, the severe thumping of axe and hammer disturbed the slumber of other denizens. One in particular had slept away a decade and more, unbothered by any of the potential dangers that lurked nearby safe in its knowledge of supremacy. So, do you think that was the worm that they fight, or do you think that was Glimmer Bloom? <laughs> shimmer Gloom. Whatever the fucking Shimmer Gloom. Oh, no, I think that was absolutely the worm. Really? Yeah. I think Shimmer Gloom's in Mithril Hall, and they would have... Yeah, no, I... I don't well, here's my was. thought. Okay. This is this is why this is just my. I would love to. Okay. I, I kind of expect to be wrong, but sure. I would love to be right. Judging by where we are in the book, hmm. I'm wrong. But it just seems like it would be a really cool twist to plant the dwarven kingdom you're looking for inconveniently hidden beyond a horrible troll-infested forest full of monsters and bog fire and and worms, so that no one would ever dare to look there that's funny and and only through being distracted and waylaid by racists as they were could regis and uh brunor find their way into mithril hall that's really funny because i have a different theory about where mithril hall is but um was it in our hearts all along uh, kind of wow uh i think it's actually going to be underneath silvery moon oh based on how much book is left uh, yeah. They're going to get there and do that whole Indiana Jones X marks the spot thing. Like, wait, don't you get it? It was here the whole time. Interesting. You're probably right. I, I don't think I'm right because, it, we're, like you said, like we're both said, where we are in the book, we're halfway through. There's no way we're there yet. Right. Right. And so it, like, it feels like just going by that Tolkien structure we know he likes, you've got to get there. You've got to plan how to get in. You've got to counter the dragon. You've got to try to defeat the dragon. You've got to get away with the treasure. That could theoretically take up the rest of the book, so they got to get there quick. And the only right. way I feel like they could do that narratively without it being just crap would be if it's under Silvery Moon, unless there's some other thing I'm not expecting yet. Yeah, I mean, I'm judging how quickly they're jumping between different towns, though, I mean, they could travel to two to three more towns before finding their way to... I think after the troll moors, they'll hit Silvery Moon and then have to do the whole, the bad guys are here. They have Caddy Bree, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, look what I found this secret passage. No, don't look ahead. What are you doing? You're looking at the map, aren't you? I'm looking at the map. That's not, it's literally looking backwards. Well, kind of. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because I think by the point we're at, Longsaddle was the name of the book. We've, we've, we've left the map. We're off the map. Here there be monsters. But at the same time, there's this place called Grunwald, and I don't think we've been there yet. That just means green forest in German. How does Brunor get to the ocean? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, they just went by Grunwald. They never went to Neverwinter Woods. The mines of Miribar. Whatever. Um. Okay, so... Yeah, I I think you're probably right. It was the it was the worm, but I like to think sure that maybe this was a weird sort of like reminder of like there is a dragon coming up, a big scary black dragon. So in that world, do you think they'd have to leave, go to Silvery Moon, and realize they have to go back to Trollmores to get to the mine? Yeah, mm. I think that it would be it'd be really cool if they were like, because the the thing that I was that bothers me, the thing that makes sense about 
the the dwarven kingdom in the hobbit is like there's a drag everyone knows there's a dragon there right that's why you don't go back right with mithril hall it seems like nobody is acknowledging that there's a dragon there or not yet so either they don't know or that information's been lost to history much like the location of the mine but it it makes me think that like People should, like, like all treasure, people should be looking for it. How old is Brunor? He's a couple centuries, I think. Just I think a couple centuries. See, that's, that, that, that kind of throws a wrench in my, sorry, a spanner in my works. Uh, because I feel like it, it would be pretty hard to lose a mine in 200 years. Of course, that seems like a problem with a book, too, so maybe I'm right again. To, yeah. uh, to have a town grow up over it in 200 years doesn't seem likely, but you never know. Well, think about like how there's like, isn't there like an undercity in Manhattan that yeah. like, like that exists, but you nobody really, you know, nobody really deals with anything there. Well, and I mean, the town's called Silvery Moon, streams of silver, mithril, silver. Hmm. Yeah. And the sure the that. mithril that you know, you can only read by the light of the cheese. Yep. By the light of the cheese, but space cheese. What's the moon made of, Rob? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying we're saying the same thing. It's made of ejected earth. I beg your pardon. It's made of ejected milk fat. Milk fat would curdle beyond recognition in the vacuum. I'm just saying Taurus the bull's got a lady and she made the moon. Just think about how hot the sun is, right? Yeah. There's no way. There's no way that cheese is not up there like boiling away. That's melting. Yeah, it's just, it's like, like imagine. Okay, you've got a cheese wheel, right? Okay, yeah. You put it under. You put it under one of those those uh, those heat grills, right? Mm-hmm. You, you 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 sear the top of it. You scrape it off onto your sandwich. You got that hot melted cheese. Oh, so this is this is raclette. Yeah. How is the how is the moon not sloughing off its melted cheese rind every day? Gravity. Onto Earth. Gravity. Gravity. Gra- there's Our no gravity. gravity. There's no stronger. gravity. That's why it's not slopping off. Just sitting there, and it's, there, and it's it, there's no gravity. There's no gravity in space. What? Nope. Dude, everything's in space. <laughs> All no gravity in we space. Have, everything is space. Everything is space. Besides, you might be inside the atmosphere in space, but this is all space, man. Besides, the moon cheese is covered with inches of space dust that's accumulated over time, so that's why uh, that's protecting. It's a, it's like a wax. It's like a giant baby bell. Yeah, I was gonna say I would buy more that it was covered in wax than dust. Space dust. It's basically wax. Nothing deserves okay, so anything it, like the space, space dust. Space dust accumul- like settles onto the the cheese moon, right. but not because of gravity. It's not no, because space. cheese is all tacky. Because it's because it's but boiling. Why would it attract it to it at all? Why would it? At, mm-hmm. It's just so, it's just it's yeah. just floating through space, and when it hits the sticky cheese, it sticks. Yeah, much like uh, Swiss, this theory has holes all running through it. Well, much like Limburger, you're an asshole. <laughs> Touche. I don't have any other reasonable cheese puns. Um, my only note in this chapter. Remember the chapter we're talking about? Barely. Not space cheese. It seems like anytime they take down a huge monster, it, it hits the same notes. Uh, someone jumps on the back. Someone goes for the eyes. Blah blah blah. 
Yeah, uh, Guinevere rakes her claws down it through its flesh and across its scales or down its back or in its eyes. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, there's only so many ways you can write that kind of shit, I guess. But it, like, it it does it it feels like maybe make it a little more contextual to the environment instead of just the same six beats every time. I don't know. I guess it works for them, so good for them. Yeah. Just it, it definitely feels more like just shit I have to read through as yeah. opposed to stuff I'm reading yeah, that totally. I enjoy. Totally. That's it. That's my notes. All right. Well, that's also all I have, uh, except for a new word alert. Oh. This might be a surprising new word, so I hope you're ready. Okay. Arid. Arid? Arid. I believe that's uh, a dry climate devoid of water, like a desert. That is true, but that is not the word I'm looking for. Oh! That is, uh, that is a word I'm familiar with. What I'm not familiar with is the second definition. It's the same spelling, then. Same spelling. Um, I don't know if I know a second definition. What do you got? Neither did I. Arid. Yes, excessively dry. Very, there you go. The second definition, lacking in interest and life. Lacking in interest and life. Does that mean something that's dull or something that's barren? I think it's dull. Okay. The 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 example it gives is an arid arid textbooks. Okay. Like boring. Yeah, sure. I've I've never heard that. I really enjoy it. Same. That's it, it came up in this book. And I, I remember I read it and thought, that doesn't make any sense. What is wrong here? Googled it or looked it up here. And uh, there you go. New word. Well, I've got a new word, too. Why? It was also used in this book, a word I have heard before, but as a name. And it was not used that way, oh. so I was not prepared. Are you ready? Whisper. No. A whisper is like a, a quiet, well, like, that's, speaking. It's, it's like not a, it. It's not it's whisper. Like a, we all, it's like when you talk really that's low. A, that is what a whisper thing. is. Um, it's very that's, breathy. It's not. It was slight. Not a, It wasn't used as a name in this book. I'm used to it as a name in this book. It was. Oh, yeah. So, okay. are, you, are you ready? It's not whisper. It's not whisper. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Carmen. Ho- hold on. Is that it? Nope. Because <laughs> I don't know what that word means. I guess I. Fair enough. You got me. Oh, maybe that is how it's supposed to be. Pronounced. Funny. Let's just try dictionary.com for see if it's the same. Carmen. Okay. Carmen. No idea. What 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 is that? Well, it's uh spelled carmine. Oh. Which is I okay. think it's probably a valid pronunciation, but do you know what it is, Carmen or Carmine? No. A vivid red. Oh, interesting. Someone referred to the Carmen robes, which I thought was like, "Hey, Carmine, you get your robes." Either way, vivid red. Nice. Eh. A modeled red. Speaking of modeled counts. First of all, I want to point out on page 178, modeled was used two times in the same paragraph. I was Mm -hmm. very annoyed by that. Do you have a guess? Uh, I'm going to say 38. (laughs) For the rest of the book or for what we read in just this section? I was going to say the rest of the book. Okay. From counting, I'm not going back to reread what I've already read. You think 38 more okay. times or 38, including what I've... I've gotten lost. 
Um, so I'm going to say, you tell me what number I'm guessing. Well, first of all, okay, how many times in just this section, chapters 7 through 12, do you think modeled was used? Uh, I'm going to say, like, 15. Oh, so close. 14 times. Wow. So, going forward, not including this 14, how many more times will modeled be used? I guess, I guess we've got two the more sections. The half of the book? I'd say it's... Uh... Jeez, you can it's... give you can give me the whole number, and then we can add the two together at the, in well, the book I don't... party. But you don't, you haven't you don't know how many were in the previous half of the book. Right, we're just talking or, about the next half. Quarter. Right. So you can you can ju- okay. you can guess by half or by quarter. It's up to you. I think there's going to be another twenty. Another twenty in the book total. Total book, okay. yeah. And I th- in the rest, let me rephrase, in the rest of the book, in the second half of the book, I think there's going to be twenty more. I think total there will be around forty. Okay. I think that's easily done. Especially since that means in the part I'm not going to reread, there was only six, and we know there was more than that. So Right. Okay. I think it's yeah. going to be more than that. I think it's going to be like... 600. I'm going to say 32. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Hey, don't jeez Louise me. Jeez, jeez Louise, your, your friend, R.A. Salvatore. He's not my friend. He's your best friend. We're not even... We don't even talk. Oh, my God. Get like, a room, you guys. You don't know. Get a zoom, right. you guys. So next time, we're going to read through chapter 13 through chapter 18. We're going to read from chapter 13 through chapter 18. Yeah. Don't read chapter 19. Yeah, no, duh. Who would read chapter 19? That would be a stupid person thing to do. And that will only be... That's honestly, like... It's not that many pages. It's only, it w- like, you know, 72. It was through 18, you said? Uh, yeah. Not 19? Not 19. Okay. Oh, I guess it's more like 82. It's only 82 pages. Hey, it's not 100, so... Yeah, the last couple have been, so... Yes, they have. Okay, well... Uh, I got nothing left. Do you have anything left? I don't. Well, that was Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. All right, let's move on. Chapter 10. Bon... Nope. Maybe? God damn it, stupid handwriting. Bonds of reputation? No, shut up. Repudiation? No, no. What? Stop it. I just thought it was Reparations? books. Reparations? I thought it was books. Chapter oh. 10, Bonds of Reputation. Reputation.